Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I am Luminous. And I'm Rico. And welcome to another episode of Top Deck Time. This is a bonus episode for the newer players. But before we get to the main topic of the day, I want to introduce my lovely co-host from Austria. It's Rico. How are you? Hi there. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing well. I'm glad we can do this episode. Maybe answer some of the more frequently asked questions of the new players. Give you guys a little bit of perspective and insight on like what we think are the question that most new players should be interested in or show their interest in. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, we had a lot of fun recording and re-recording this episode, <laughs> but hopefully we'll get it right this time. And after the eight questions, we will have our own little fun project at the end where we made our new Eternal account. We strive to hit Master uh, only after a couple of days of playing. We won't want to spoil the result, but the result will shock you. So definitely stay <laughs> tuned for that one. All right. Let's uh, get into the first question. How free-to-play is this game, Rico? I think this really depends on how you want to play this game. I think if you if you want to experience all the game modes in a somewhat balanced fashion, if you don't have a uh, problem with like playing against the AI sometimes, if you enjoy playing different decks versus the AI or on ladder, and then every now and then do a couple of drafts or forge runs, I think it's incredibly free to play. There's a lot of different rewards. You get like daily rewards, you get daily packs. There are multiple free-to-play modes that earn you rewards. So I feel like if you are a player that wants to experience Eternal as a whole and every format, it's pretty free-to-play. Uh, like I personally have spent about 30 bucks on the game, but I didn't really need to spend my gems yet just because I just enjoy playing a couple of leather or gauntlet games every day. So if you are one of those players, it's really, really, really generous. And I think you will hear this from multiple sources. I do, however, want to say that if you just want to do drafts, it's actually not very free to play because in a draft, you can get to a maximum of seven wins, which is pretty hard already because you are only allowed to lose two times before the draft run run, uh, ends. And you need to average 6.5 wins in draft so that you can go infinite. So you are probably like forced to either spend real money then or uh, earn some gold, go earn some gold in the other game modes. Yep. I completely agree with everything you said. I think Eternal, to me, is the most free-to-play game. You have a ton of players at the highest ranking of the game that hasn't spent a single dime. Mm. Um, if, if you care about that, if you care about ranking high constructively. But I also have friends that do nothing but draft and they spend a ton of money to support that draft because they don't balance out drafting and playing the rank mode as much. So mm-hmm. it really comes down to what you're looking for this game. I think for the more average player, I think this game is extremely, extremely free to play. All right, question number two, what legendaries should I craft? I think this really depends on how you want to approach this game. One of the two different kinds to approach this game is the the one that we did, like we were trying to get towards a specific deck as soon as possible and like try to complete this deck. And we wanted to have a very efficient deck to climb uh, to climb the ladder. So we obviously crafted the legendaries we needed for that deck. The fact that there's a bunch of different archetypes and, and decks in Eternal and you might not like the hyper-aggressive deck that might be more efficient to earn gold on ladder. You might be more 
into like different archetypes, like more controlling or mid-range decks where the games take longer. So you you won't be like maximizing your gold per minute, but like you're having <laughs> fun playing the game. So that's the more important thing. So it really depends on what kind of deck or archetype you want, you enjoy playing. And you can get a pretty good idea of what's possible if you just play against the, uh, the Gauntlet or the Forge because the AI like, presents you with a couple of different archetypes. Or you can just go watch some streamers or YouTubers or browse through decks. There's an excellent card database on eternalwarcry.com where you can just check out a bunch of different decks. And honestly, whatever you think will be the most fun for you, go for that. Yes, people might tell you it's the most efficient to like craft an extremely aggressive deck early on just because you earn gold faster. I think that's not the only thing of importance in a game. I think you should be having fun while you play it. So honestly, if you're into like some janky deck that might not be super good and people tell you why you don't really need this legendary, I think as long as you're having fun, you should just craft it and have fun playing it. Yeah, to add to what Rico just said, if there is a deck that you're always like trying to build towards to and aim towards to, you probably should start there with the the legendary that you're mm-hmm. you're crafting. If you don't really have a deck in mind, then do whatever feels right and uh, whatever is the most fun. Because at the end of the day, the game is supposed to be fun. I hope. Yes. Yeah. Basically, craft the legendaries for the deck you want to play. Like, don't craft a single legendary just because you think it's cool if you don't get to play with it you might be missing your resources if you can't really put that card to use then so lumi a question for you what is the most efficient way to earn gold there's a lot of different ways to go about it if you're a draft master like myself you just go into draft and earn gold. i'm just kidding uh, <laughs> the most efficient way to earn gold for most players i think is to just tackle the gauntlet over and over again if you have a fast enough deck and i I guess this is where gold per minute does matter Mm -hmm. because the ai opponent isn't really that big of a challenge and if you have a fast enough deck you should be able to run it over relatively quickly enough i think the second most efficient way to do it is just to play ranked i guess this is where another aggressive deck would help out as well in the topic of grinding a lot of it comes down to your willpower it really isn't about just speed it's about how much you enjoy playing the deck Personally, if I'm looking to earn a lot of gold, I'm just going to queue up rank over and over with some decks I'd like to play or decks I'm currently working on. And the hours just kind of fly by because I'm having fun enjoying the game. And I'll check back on my gold counters like, hey, I have 5,000 gold. I could actually now afford a draft. One point where you can optimize the amount of gold income you get is you can do all the puzzles in a relatively low amount of time and they are a lot of fun and completing all the puzzles should earn you about 3.5 thousand gold so that's a great way to earn gold in the beginning also it's a great way to learn the game and it's for me at least it was a lot of fun so that's one thing and the other thing is you get presented daily quests each day and you can re-roll one of them each day and you can have up to three daily quests that you can do so Luminous and I, we try to re-roll all the silver chest ones. Gold-wise, it's not as much of a difference. The thing is that you get the 10% chance to upgrade that gold chest into a diamond one, and a diamond chest gives you 2,000 gold. So that's a whole lot. So that's also a more efficient way to go about it. Once you have the gold acquired, where should you spend it on? And in my opinion, like the most efficient way to spend your gold is on draft. There's a couple of ways you can go about draft. But like the question is, what do you want to get? <laughs> if you want to build your collection, I think drafting and maybe rare drafting is the best way to go about it. If you just want to like 
own your skills. <laughs> you can also tackle draft and try to pass some rares if some other cards are in your pack that are better for your deck. I think either way, whatever you want to like achieve with the gold, I feel like draft is the way to go. There might be events every now and then. Like I feel like every month there has been an event for the last couple of months. Is that correct? Yep, that's true. There is an event. Sometimes it's efficient to spend your gold on an event run. Most of the time, paying the entry fee um, rewards you a minimum award of the amount of booster packs you would get for that gold in the shop. Say you pay 2,000 gold entry fee, then most of the time, at least for the last couple of events, you get at least two packs, uh, even if you win zero times. So worst case scenario, you just bought two packs and you can do way better than that if you do well in the event. So that might be a very good place to spend your gold also. The events are just really fun to play, right? I mean, that too. It's it's hard for me to like honestly answer the efficiency questions I feel like it's been a long time since I really had to do a grind for something because honestly, I think Eternal is very free-to-play and generous. I just feel like if you play the game and have fun, it's in total more fun than grinding hard for a day and then enjoying something like a draft or some, uh, or so because I feel like you can enjoy yourself while you acquire that gold also. Sure. And of course, some people are going to ask, you know, should I buy this adventure or the other venture? Ask yourself, how much do I want that card? Is that card worth two drafts? Is that card worth three drafts? If so, then do save up a little bit and get the adventure. If that card isn't worth the two to three draft and the fun that you have getting two to three draft, then don't do it. People are looking for a magical yes, no answer to it, but... Yeah, and it's it's hard to give those, honestly. Yeah, we can share our personal opinion. Yeah, my, my opinion is that you, you get the new adventure because that has a sick dragon in it and it's worth every penny. <laughs> And I think Rico will say yes uh, to that as well, right? I personally, I would buy, I think, every single one adventure, even if the cards aren't so great, just because I think they're a fun alternative to the normal game modes. Oh, you like the solo player adventure aspect of it? Yeah, I think it's cool and playing with new rules or playing under different circumstances is is fun to me. So I would always do it just because, I mean, as you probably heard by now, I just like to enjoy myself playing this game. But if you are like looking at it from a min-max stand point of view, if you're not interested in at least one card of the adventure very much, if your deck doesn't depend on having that card, you might just be better off drafting. We kind of skipped around a bit. That was supposed to be question number six, but you know, we, we, we answered yeah. it now. All right, question number four, and you kind of touched on it already, is should mm-hmm. I rare draft? So before I actually kind of answer the question, what is a rare draft, Rico? Okay, so rare drafting means that, for me at least, you take every rare and uh, and every legendary card that gets passed to you, no matter what. No matter if you can play it in your final deck or not. Right. I think it's very inefficient to quote-unquote rare draft for uncommons. I think like the value you get back is negligible. So I Well, there, there are premium that. aspects to it as well, right? There is that. Like, there are premium uncommons you can consider rare drafting those. I personally probably wouldn't do it. The advantages and disadvantages, of course, if you rare draft, you usually get a lot more like shift stones and playable rares than you would get opening five boosters, which would be the same price of the draft. So if you just want to like build your collection, it's probably still better to do a draft and just go through the packs, take all the rares, and then you can you could you could even quit the draft, but I mean I, I would suggest just playing it out. 
the flip side is if you rare draft you kind of hinder your chances of getting the optimal deck just because like sometimes there's an uncommon or even a common in the pack that would be very good in your deck and that you will not have in the end so if you want to get better at drafting if you want to advance and if you want to get some of the sweet sweet rewards that draft has to offer you're probably better off not rare drafting if you want to like just further your collection or if it's a card that you would want to try out in another deck feel free to rare draft. I think, especially in the beginning, rare drafting is a very, very efficient way to uh, improve your collection. Yeah, and I don't think you need to go to the extremes, right? Like, you don't have mm -hmm. to just completely rare draft every pick. For example, yeah. personally, if I'm in a Rakano deck and I see a Shadow Legendary coming around, you could bet my butt that I'm picking that Legendary because I have a personal rule that I'm going to pick every Legendary I see, even if I'm trying to win the draft. So that, that's just my thing. Yeah, and I think that's fair. Like every legendary and every premium rare, just because they are worth a lot. I think rare drafting a rare that you already have far off is loses a lot of its efficiency. So keep that in mind. Right. A quick way you could check how many copies of car you have is before you select the car, you could just right click with your mouse, mm -hmm. and then it'll it'll pop up a window and show. Oh, you have four copies of this, so maybe don't rare draft that. But anywho, next question is: Should I destroy cards that I don't have four copies of? And should I craft commons, uncommons, and rares? Well, let's actually tackle that question one at a time. Mm -hmm. We have a couple of mating calls. Really not constructively playable rare. <laughs> should I yet, be keeping yet. them around? Or, or yet, yeah. Should I be keeping them around in hopes that they be constructed playable one day? Or should I just destroy it? And again, I think it depends on <laughs> on where you are in your... Um like eternal life in, in with your collection and with the amount of different decks you can play and want to play. Because like Mating Calm isn't a good card now, but it might be someday. So you never know. Destroying a card is very inefficient. You have to destroy four rares to, to be able to craft another rare. If you should ever like want to play Mating Calls and you destroyed yours, you just lost a bunch of value. But in the beginning, I think disenchanting cards that are just bad and aren't played in constructed decks is a good idea just because it gets you to your first deck or to your second deck that you enjoy playing very much much earlier once you have a deck that is fun for you to play and you just want to play the deck you just earn a lot of gold and and like other cards so i think losing out on a little bit of value there is totally worth it just because you get to have fun and not only fun earlier but you also get rewards earlier because like the better your deck is the easier it gets for you to reap the rewards. So the second part of the question is, should I craft common, uncommons, and rares? It's very customary and common to craft legendaries because those are the flashiest cards for your deck and you're unlikely to actually acquire it yeah. your boosters. But I think the question gets a little bit trickier when it's a common or uncommon or rares because those are easier to find, those are easier to acquire in draft and such. Mm -hmm. So I, I think like most of the question we we've answered so far is it comes down to how badly you want to play that deck right now but my personal answer is no i wouldn't really craft commons and uncommons and for the reason being is if the shift stone is really tight for you most uncommons aren't really that powerful or that unique enough to actually warrant the, the craft so let's say if you really need for rakano outlaws 
or for some other uncommon like lightning storm, there is likely some sort of replacement or a substitute that might not be the exact effect that you want from those cards, but they should be relatively close enough that you should be able to play. And once you play the game more, you'll start to find those commons and uncommons. Now, I think for rare, that is a little bit different. For rares, they are generally harder to replace, and if they are such a powerful part of the deck, then you should just bite the bullet and craft them. And the earlier you craft them, the more enjoyment you get out of the deck, because you could play it sooner. So that's my personal outlook. I don't know if Rico has a different opinion. I agree. Like Mostly you can replace the commons or uncommons you're missing for your deck with with other cards that, uh, while they may not be perfect, they, they still do the job. And I think like crafting commons and uncommons as opposed to disenchanting them is, or destroying them is such an inefficient way to spend your stone. That being said, like some commons or uncommons are key to a deck or are just so good that you just want to have them in your deck. Like say, for example, Permafrost or Annihilate, those cards are just very good and efficient and you want to have them in your deck. And the, the sooner you have the complete deck or the sooner you have like a deck that you enjoy playing, uh, the sooner you get to reap more rewards. So I think it's fine. Again, I wouldn't, I would probably do this for my first deck if I really want to play the way I laid it out to be. I probably then wouldn't ever craft commons or uncommons again. As like question 5.5, how would you rate like premium copies of cards? Would you be actively yeah. destroying premium copies? Would you be actively creating premium copies? Assuming you don't have a full collection and such. Generally, if you don't have a full collection yet, I think you have to have a very good reason to create a premium card because it's just <laughs> very, very inefficient. Um, right. They're insanely expensive. Um, like one premium rare costs as much to create as a legendary card and one a premium legendary costs the same as three normal legendaries. So it's just very inefficient and it's even worse for the commons and uncommons. Like if you want to build your collection, I think it's not a smart idea to go premiuming out. That being said, I personally do it a lot just because my um, my collection is very, like, very large. I'm very happy with the amount of different decks I'm able to play. So I start premium in out some of them because I think it looks nice and I, like, what can I say? I'm, I'm a Thieve Magpie. I like shinies. Um, would you destroy legend premium cards? I would in the beginning because it doesn't matter. The card does the same if it's premium or not. And if I disenchant, like, any premium rare, I can create another rare of my choosing. So every premium rare is basically a rare of your choosing, which is great. And the same is true for legendaries. I would keep only very few of the rares and legendaries premium early on. Like if they are top tier constructed cards that I am going to play a lot, I would keep them and otherwise I would just destroy them and get to my first deck quicker. Cool. Why is Starwood Digital pairing me against a player with a huge rank difference? I'm sure you might have experienced it or you might have seen it on like subreddit or forums, but there's always this poor silver player being paired up against some master level player. So is DWE just getting out there and, and ha they're having a thing for you? You know, they're trying to stab you in the back or what's the deal there? Yeah, that's exactly the case. So Diewolf Digital chose you personally to run a personal vendetta against. No, I'm obviously just kidding. So the, the way the... The matchmaking system works is a silver one doesn't get paired against a silver one player. That's the ranks are they have nothing to do with the matchmaking. And the matchmaking is based on some hidden MMR, like some hidden rating that 
yeah, it's it's hidden, so you can't access it, so you don't know. And you play against a player with this with the same hidden matchmaking. So say like you're in silver and you're having a big win streak, you're winning like a couple of games in a row, and then there's somebody in masses and they they lose a couple of games in a row, then your MMRs get closer together. So it's actually possible for you to get paired against a player who is even two leagues above you in the laddering system, just because it is based on this MMR that has, has nothing to do with the laddering system in general. So the advantages and disadvantages can be discussed. I think it's, I think it does make sense that you get paired against players that are equally as uh, that are about equally matched against you and not solely basis, based on the ladder system, which also takes into account the amount of games you play. Yeah, a part of that is also it comes down to how many players are currently playing at the time oh, that you're queuing as well. True. So, I mean, if there's only one other player that's currently playing, you're just going to be queuing against that person regardless of rank. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, that's if true. you have more, uh, like tons and hundreds and thousands of eternal player, then you're likely to pair very closely to somebody at your rank and you're yeah. in a hidden MMR. So mm-hmm. it comes down to that as well. DWD is not out to get you in the back. <laughs> Basically, what it says is that you're doing better than your rank shows, which is a good thing. Like, say you're silver and you get paired against a masses player, it means that your like your place on the ladder is lower than the game would actually put you in based on your hidden MMR. So yep. be be happy about it. It's a it's a good thing. It's basically a compliment for you. <laughs> Because I'm the one that's always queuing into the silver players. I'm a master player. So what's that? What's that saying about me? I have seen on numerous occasions that you, when you are late into the season, or even when you're early into the season, as soon as your master, tend to sometimes play decks that are not 100% optimal. And doing so, it might result in you not having as high of a win percentage as you would have playing an optimized deck. And as such, I could imagine that sometimes uh, you go on set losing streaks and get paired against um, players who are on a winning streak in lower ranks. Let's just uh, go to question number eight. Why am I always <laughs> getting sigil flooded or sigil shortage? Why is that happening to me? This one is a little bit harder to answer, I think. The easy answer is it isn't only happening to you. But it's a little bit more complicated than that, I think. So there are a couple of things that you can do deconstruction-wise to optimize um, the amount of screws and floods you experience. But it's also just a part of the game. Like you, Basically, when you have a resource system like this, there will be games where you draw too many or too little of those uh, resources. And that's, that is a part of the game. And I understand that a lot of people are not happy with that. And I can see how like the games you lose just because of that are frustrating. Like the thing that makes it okay for me is that I know that it happens to everybody the same amount, like statistically. So I know that I'm winning as many games based on that as I'm losing based on that. It's just easier to remember losing games to that than winning games to that. Right. So I think it's really more of a personal mentality kind of thing. I think there are certain decks that are a little bit more resistant to this kind of stuff. Uh, at the same mm-hmm. time, it just comes down to a number, right? You could have the most perfectly constructed deck, 
But if you yeah. don't draw the the right amount of sigils, too little, too much, you are still in the same boat. So I try to not let it bother me too much. And, you know, sometimes I, I get free wins. Sometimes I just give up losses and there's nothing much I, I could do about it. Now, if it does happen to you game after game after game, and if you're, you're just not remembering it wrongly, then do go back into deck construction because there might be something wrong there. <laughs> Okay, so these are the eight questions that we believe new players uh, kind of ask the most. I hope we gave you multiple different perspectives so you could kind of find the, the answer that suits you the best. There's no right and wrong answers except the one where I get paired against silver players. <laughs> but in preparation of making this episode, we decided to make a new free-to-play account called Top Deck Time. Maybe you actually played against us this past week we kind of approached the new account with the mindset of how quickly can we hit master? We kind of employ some of the things that we talked about today, such as really aggressively destroying the rares that we don't need to craft the legendaries that we do need and to go for a very strong tier one constructive Rakano deck. But before we actually did that, can we just talk about briefly what our process is for some of the newer players like maybe you're just new to the game maybe you just did the tutorial you just did like the first forge and, and gauntlet we weren't really different from you just five six days ago but today i'm a master player with that new account like what are some of the initial steps that we took rico to get ourselves started so we took the one extreme end of the spectrum where we were like, okay, so we know how to play Eternal already. We have an understanding of the game. We don't want to explore. We just want to get to a deck that we can climb the ladder with as fast as possible and then climb the ladder as fast as possible. So we decided to make a very aggressive deck early on that isn't too expensive to craft just because if you have a, an aggressive deck, the games go shorter, it takes you less time. So we took a very, very brutal approach to this, as opposed to the like getting to know all the cards, playing a couple of games against, or playing a lot against the AI, just to know the different archetypes. We did none of that. We just went straight for how do we get to the goal, and the goal is master. So um, first, what you need for that is obviously a deck that you can climb the ladder with. And... We used a couple of different things to our advantage. The first thing is, like, we referred, uh, or Luminous, you referred our new account as a friend. Yeah, counts my friend. It's also oh, me. Yeah. That's probably against some some yeah, like, it's, agreement. It's, yeah, it's uh, it's it's basically an abuse of the rule, and we would strongly recommend not abusing the refer friend system. We did it for science. Is I'm excuse. sorry. Please don't don't kill me or. Please no ban. <laughs> it's only for science. I could delete the account now. So what that does is you get an extra theme deck and it actually contains a couple of rares uh, to begin with and a couple of playable uncommons. So we got a little bit of a head start there. Then what we did is we wanted to just acquire as much shift stone as fast as possible so we can just craft our deck. And to do that, we pretty much did a lot of the things we, we mentioned in what's the most efficient way to earn gold. We did all the puzzles and like we were obviously able to do them a lot faster than if you played them for the first time just because we already did them. We did a couple of gauntlet runs just because the, the rank up chests you get there rewards you a lot of gold as well. We used that gold basically to forge and in forge we forced justice and fire just because those were the factions that we wanted to build our deck in. We wanted to build an aggressive Rakano deck and what that did was it 
presented us only rares of that faction. And we got lucky. We got a couple of rares that we could use. Right. So actually, let me specifically talk about some of the gauntlet and forge runs. So we did two gauntlets. Those are fairly self-explanatory. We got the rank up, which give us a lot of the resources. Mm-hmm. In our first forge run, we opened a time legendary. It was just too good not to grab, even right. though we weren't in fire justice. And then we ended up with the time legendary. With the second one, yes. We were right. extremely, extremely lucky. It's not very common that you get one rare, let alone two in forge. So we got super lucky, plus we had a head start, and we were able to beat the Forges, which isn't that you can count on winning your first Forge when you're a new player. That's like, we we obviously had an advantage there also. So, and then we aggressively, super aggressively disenchanted, like, almost all of the cards that aren't for the deck we wanted to play. Right. And we also did like the most brute force rare drafting I have ever seen. We did, <laughs> uh, we did like two drafts and we took every, we always took the card of the highest rarity. So we even rare drafted quote unquote uncommons, which I specifically advised not doing, but we did it anyways, uh, just to, yeah, take this to the extreme. And we got extremely lucky there again. We got so many rares on our first, uh, two drafts. There was one draft where you got 15 rares and some of them were premium rares. Yes. And they were... I and mean, the legendary. Like, it's... Yeah. <laughs> it was absurd. It was it was really absurd. That's not something you can count on happening, but it certainly can. I think that's fair to say. And we even resigned all the drafts. Like, we didn't even play a single game. And to be honest, I think we could probably have won a couple of games even with only rare drafting. We decided to resign to a safe time and be to make it more like to make it easier to recreate. Because if we actually done the draft as Rico being one of the highest ranked master drafters, <laughs> he's probably going to get at least five to seven wins. I mean, not with what we drafted. Not well, maybe not. We <laughs> maybe not because we were rare drafting. But the idea is to kind of make it easiest to replicate if you do want to go for this like crazy route, which. I don't know if I personally would recommend, but it could be copied by a player that might even be like relatively new to the game. We recorded some statistics. So we did two gauntlet runs. We did four forge runs, which embarrassingly Rico lost one of them, like couldn't even beat it. Okay, so that was, okay. that was pretty funny. <laughs> uh, we did, I believe, two to three rare drafts. Uh, two. Uh, two rare drafts, yep. which uh, we opened the packs and we took the highest value and we just resigned straight up. We opened a total of 24 the Empty Throne packs and mm-hmm. 9 Omens of the Past packs. So we only opened up 33 packs total. Rico, you pulled a Premium Legendary in one of them. I did. And that, I did. that was essentially worth a plate that we immediately crafted. Uh, you said we did all the puzzle. We eventually did do all of the puzzles, but I think... Yeah, we didn't do all of them. Um, we didn't the time do of all of them at the time we, const- we hit our constructed deck, yeah. But basically after that... After that, we were able to like build this deck. It's like we used very aggressive Rakano deck for this experiment again to just save time, uh, get right. more games in in like less of time. Right. We decided to go with Rakano because Rakano was a, a deck that I used to use to climb to master when I first played the game. I know it's relatively cheap and it's very mm-hmm. very quick. Mm-hmm. I think Rico personally prefers Stone Scar Burn. But that deck is about 10k shift stone higher than the Ricano deck. Yep. So that was a little bit too expensive to craft. Skycrack Aggro, I don't think either of us has too much personal experience with. 
So mm. we decided not to craft that one. Chalice is also extremely cheap if you want to go that route, but it's Chalice, so speed is not exactly its forte, so <laughs> we yeah. did not go with that route. Yeah, we, we crafted the deck, I want to say maybe six to seven hours into the new account. Uh, I feel like it was more just because of the campaign. Oh, the campaign definitely took like an hour and a half as well. If not more. So I, I feel like maybe 10 hours into into the account. And after that, it was the Grirocano list that was built. And then straight to the ladder I went. I mean, you played a little bit. Like for the first, like the bronze up to silver, I think you, you played a silver three. Yeah. I didn't play a lot. And then Lumi took over and just steamrolled. Well, I wouldn't say steamroll. It was, <laughs> well, it, it was very steamrolly in the beginning, and I, I did definitely experience the whole. Hey, I'm winning a lot, so I'm actually I was actually queuing into I think master level players when I was mm. like gold, and I was definitely queuing into master level players when I was in diamond rank, mm. and as expected, the climb got harder and harder as the game paired me up against opponents that were more my skill level because my yes. hidden MMR essentially caught up. And, you know, I was actually playing against, like, rank 3 player, rank 27 player, and those games were mm. tough. I'm personally not a very strong Rakano player. I think if you had, like, a really good Rakano pilot, like, Unearthly, doing the challenge that we did, he probably would hit Master 2 or 3 fewer hour than, than we did. I, I didn't really track the full time that we committed to this exercise, but I want to guesstimate, like, around 17 to 22-ish hours from a brand new free-to-play account to, to Master rank. It's definitely doable if you have the right idea and the right like know-how, know what to craft, what to destroy. Whenever Rico destroyed a premium rare, like it just it was a dagger to my heart, but he was having so <laughs> much fun hitting the destroy button. Destroy, destroy, destroy. <laughs> I think I was cl- climbing from gold to, to diamond. I had like I don't know. I was having some personal crisis. I'm like, can I not play Ricano anymore? Can I just play any other deck? I'm having I'm having such a sad time playing Rakan over and over <laughs> again. So Rico was like, okay, can we make a Stone Scar deck? And eventually we found out that, you know, because we were so aggressively destroying our cards for this one deck, we couldn't have enough to make the other other decks. So I kind of just stuck through it, took it up the chin, and then just... What was the word you used? Brutalized the ladder? <laughs> steamrolled. Yeah, steamrolled. I, I felt personally steamrolled. But uh, we eventually got there. I would say, like the resume is, um, the game is, I feel, generous enough that if you really, if like this is your only goal, you can get to Masters in a reasonable time. I This is not something I think uh, every new player can recreate easily, but it just shows that it's the, the generosity of the game. Personally, I really, like, would you do this again, Lumi? Would, would you ever do this again? Not with Rakano. Like, so no. I personally also think like that the experience <laughs> was like interesting. In, Not very fun. In that you can you could really see how accessible the game is, even if you don't spend a single dollar. But I wouldn't exactly call this experience a lot of fun. I, I think like doing the puzzles again was fun, all right. But um, and doing a couple of forges is a little bit of fun, maybe. But like grinding hardcore to ladder only only to achieve masters, I, I personally don't think is. Very enjoyable. So I personally would recommend you, as I said in the beginning, to just have fun because honestly, things will happen for you. Like you will, you will acquire gold without noticing it. You will acquire cards without noticing them, and and some at some point you just look into your collection and it's there, and uh, you don't have to 
go that super brutal way and and just like enjoy your honeymoon phase i i'd say with like exploring all the new cards and exploring different archetypes and yeah that that would be my suggestion to the new players you know rico when we played the games together like over skype and stuff i had a lot of fun yeah that's fair that's the thing i learned from the most rico makes things fun <laughs> well thanks i i had a good time too yeah and that's why i record top deck time with rico but that is going to bring us to a tearful conclusion on this episode again. <laughs> I hope you new players or maybe even more experienced players have found this episode helpful and useful or interesting, especially with their whole Recano challenge. At uh, least we definitely, <laughs> Yeah, maybe, maybe. Uh, we put a lot of time uh, into this episode. We generally put a lot of time into our other episodes as well, but this one in particular, we wanted to make sure that we hit the right notes in terms of answering the questions that newer players want and maybe just not brand on as much as we normally do um, <laughs> as such i hope you guys could give us some constructive feedback maybe let us know if there are questions that we missed out or maybe share some light on you know whether some topics that we could have went greater into details or less into details you can always reach us at topdecktime at gmail.com or check us out at our website topdecktime.wordpress.com i am super proud right now Thank like you. for for those uh, tuning in the first time, I think we are twenty five or twenty six episodes in, and this was the first time that Luminous actually actually recalled our website. For this glorious occasion, I, I will. Remember. So I'm 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 really proud right now. <laughs> of course, we are also reachable on the subreddit, um, so feel free to send us a message there. But that's it. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Our intro and concluding music is "Monody" by the Fat Rats, and for Rico, I am Luminous. And we will see you next time. Bye, guys. <laughs>